If you uh, would like to read with me the scriptures that we're going to be reading this morning, I want to ask you to turn over to the book of 2 Kings chapter 7, and uh, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1 and read just verse number 1 and verse number 2. But I'm going to be sharing with you some thoughts that are actually from chapter 6 and chapter 7 of this book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse number 1. And the Bible says, And Elijah said, or Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour, about 24 cups, will be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley, 48 cups, two shekels of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. And then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and listened to what he says. And he said, behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? If the Lord were to make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And the man of God said to him, Behold, thou shalt see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat thereof. And I'm going to stop reading right there. Ask you to bow your heads this morning and let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful this morning for the presence of the Lord that we have sensed in this house as we have worshipped your name. Thank you for your magnificent presence, for the touch of your hand. We come to the reading of your word this morning, Lord, and I pray that you would divinely inspire the thoughts of my mind, that you would put your words within my mouth, that you would give me the ability to be an effective minister of your word. Open our hearts and the eyes of our understanding here today. I pray above all things, Lord, that Jesus will be glorified here in our midst and that the people of God will be edified and that your name will be exalted and we will grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord. Touch our hearts this morning. Bless me to be a blessing. Open our ears, our hearts, our eyes to receive. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. amen. So I want to title what I feel like the Lord has laid upon my heart this morning, Hung Up on the How. Hung up on the how. When I begin to study and begin to prepare for the service today, the Spirit of the Lord kind of brought back to remembrance a story that a pastor friend of mine, I, I held him a revival every year in, in Pismo Beach area. Dear, dear friend of mine, he told me a story years ago about an incident with one of his parishioners. He said that one of his church members had come to him and they were going through a particular struggle and they were going through a particular time of need and the church member came to him and told him this particular story. So he shared it with me. He said that the church member was around their home and they had been praying about their situation and asking the Lord for his help. They were listening to some worship music and they were listening to it on a record player. How many of you remember vinyl? I mean, now, they, now that, that's old stuff now. But anyway, they were listening to it on their record player and the song that they were listening to came on and it said, God's going to make a way somehow. And just about the time the singer got to how the needle got stuck. 
And so the song went, God's going to make a way somehow, how, 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 how. <laughs> and that always stuck with me because I think that is often a part of our problem. We know God can, and we know that God has the ability, and we know that God is capable we know that God has the ability to step down in the middle of our situation, but there is a part of us that is always wondering how. And we get hung up on the how. We get hung up on that. We know that he is a mighty God, and we know that he has done miracles, and we hear of testimonies of others. But when it comes to our need, we often wonder, yeah, Lord, we know you can, but how? Amen. Somehow we often get hung up on the how. Why do we do that? I think sometimes that it's because we are so impressed with our own intellect that we feel like if we can't figure it out, then God can't either. Hello? We may not say that, but we must think that. How can God ever save my lost loved ones when they are too far out in sin? How can God ever get through to that lost or wayward child or grandchild? How can God ever fix the mess that I find myself in? How can God ever fix the situation or the circumstance that I find myself in? I can't figure it out. So I'm, I'm assuming that God can't figure it out either. How? How? We may not say that, but our actions often give us away. Our actions tell a different story. Instead of trusting God to figure out the how, oftentimes we lay awake at night wringing our hands and sleep goes from us and we are in turmoil and in anxiety because we can't figure it out. And I tell you this morning that instead of getting hung up at the how, why don't you just trust the Lord? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Hello? Amen. Let me just tell you something this morning. Uh, amen. We need, to get, we need to stop getting hung up at the how and start believing that God not only can, but that he will. I came to tell somebody this morning that God is not limited in his power. God is not limited in his time, his resources, or his ability. If God can part the Red Sea and back up the waters of the Jordan River, then God knows how to make a way for you in your situation now. Hmm. If God can close the mouth of the lions for Daniel and take the heat out of the fire for the three Hebrew children, if God can provide 15 tons of bread and 11 million gallons of water every day on the backside of the wilderness for the children of Israel, that God knows how to make a way for you. Wow. Hallelujah. If God can cause the sun to stand still for Joshua and make the walls of Jericho fold like a, like a deck of cards, then God can take care of your situation. And instead of us getting hung up at the how, amen, we need to just simply trust God that he will take care of us and know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. Our text this morning is a perfect example of getting hung up 
at the how. The story that I want to share with you this morning actually starts in chapter 6. If you still have your Bible open, chapter 6, look at verse 24. The Bible tells us that the children of Israel had turned their backs upon God and they had refused to obey the commandments and the word of the Lord. And therefore God had allowed their enemies to come upon them. The Bible said beginning in that 6th chapter, the 24th verse, that Benadad, the king of Syria, it says, And it came to pass after this that Benadad, king of Syria, gathered all of his hosts, and he went up and besieged Samaria. And the siege went on so long that verse 25 says, And there was a great famine in the city of Samaria. And behold, the, the Syrians besieged it to the point that an ass's head sold for four score pieces of silver. That's about $200 for a donkey's head. And the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung sold for about $12.50 for a half a pint. So understand that the enemy had surrounded the city and they had nothing coming in and nothing going out. And pretty soon supplies began to dwindle until the people were down to eating donkey's heads and dove dung. Now, I don't know about you, but if you are a cook or a, an individual that has a recipe for a donkey head and dove's dung and you know how to put it on the table and make it sound good, amen, you are better than Emerald Agassi. <laughs> Hello? None of that sounds appetizing to me. But they had come to the place where the supplies were drying up and they were having a difficult time and they had resorted to eating a jackass's head. Bird dung. And they were paying top dollar for it. Like it was prime rib or something. What I'm saying is the situation had become dire. It had become severe. Things had gotten bad, so bad, that they had resorted to cannibalism. Verse 26. And the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, and a woman cried to him, Help me, O Lord. And the king looks at her and said, If the Lord doesn't help you, what in the world can I do? Amen. Let me just tell you something this morning. If God doesn't come through on your behalf, let me tell you, there ain't nobody else that has the answer. He said, what do you want me to do? Open the barn floor? It's empty. You want me to give you something out of the wine press? It's empty. I don't have anything to give. Amen, we look oftentimes, uh, amen, here and there for our answer, but our answer can only come from God. He says to this woman, what ails you? What's wrong? What do you need? What do you want? Listen to her story. She says to the king, this woman said unto me, give, give thy son that we may eat him today. And tomorrow we will eat my son. And she says, unashamedly, she said, so we boiled my son and we ate him. And now she has hid her son. And I want you to make her to produce her son. Because I'm hungry today. They had resorted to eating their own flesh and blood. They had, they had resorted to eating their own offspring. The Bible said that it came to pass when the king heard the words of this woman that he rent his clothes. And this is what he says in verse 31. God do so 
and more unto me if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. God do so and more unto me if Elijah ain't dead before the sun goes down. Now, what I want you to understand is that the children of Israel brought all of this mess upon themselves, and here the king is blaming God. Uh, let me point out, amen, that sometimes, uh, amen, when we are experiencing trouble in our life and we are tempted to blame God, we, amen, we don't need to look at anybody but us. Hello? When you read on down through that sixth, sixth chapter, you will read how that the king's messenger, his officer, was sent to Elisha. And Elisha knew that he was coming by the Spirit of the Lord. And when he knocks on the door, verse 1 of chapter 7, Elisha begins to prophesy. The hand of the Lord comes upon the man of God. And he begins to speak and he says, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. He's about to get real specific. Not going, not, not God's going to bless you sometime, but God's going to bless you tomorrow about this time. Amen. He's, he began to prophesy real specific. He said, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now, if he'd have prophesied that God was going to bless some other city, that would have been an easier pill to swallow. That might have been easier to believe for the king's representative. But when Elisha said, right here in the city of Samaria, the messenger of the king got hung up on the howl. And he said, behold, if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And Elisha says to him, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but you will not eat thereof. How many of you know, any time that you are operating in disbelief, you are not going to be a partaker of the promise of God. Amen. What I'm saying this morning is when we get hung up at the how, amen, we start operating in disbelief. And when we start operating in disbelief, we are going to forfeit our right to the promise of God. The king's servant says, if the Lord made heaven or windows in heaven, could this thing be? Understand what he was saying, amen, is that he is basically doubting the prophecy. I submit that his doubt was based on several faulty premises. In fact, he did exactly what we often do. Number one, he doubted the power of God. He doubted the power of God. If God willed it, he certainly could make windows in heaven and he could drop down food from the sky, amen, to that besieged city, but he just simply didn't believe that God could do such a thing. Let me just tell you, sometimes when we are facing a struggle and we are facing a situation in our life, the enemy wants to come along and breathe doubting words in our ears so that we doubt the word of God, doubt the promises of God, and doubt the power of God. Because he knows if we will get hung up on the how, we will forfeit God's promise in our life. Mm. Secondly, he doubted the creativity of God. <laughs> he doubted the creativity of God. How many of you have ever looked at a situation and said, I don't know any way that that could ever come about. And then God, overnight, just went, bing. And you were like, oh, 
Well, unless that happened. <laughs> Hello? He doubted the creativity of God. Amen. He doubted. Amen. The hostile army that was around. He figured there was no way for God to get food at the gate of the city of Samaria. Their enemies were too strong, too powerful, and they had been there too long. And thirdly, he doubted the messenger of God. The promise was admittedly hard to believe, but the king's officer should have at least believed, amen, the, the established record of the reliability of Elisha and knew that he was a man of God. Instead, the officer illustrates a conduct of disbelief. You and I often demonstrate or illustrate that same uncertainty and disbelief. Unbelief dares to question the truthfulness of God's promise itself. Unbelief says this can't be true. Unbelief says there's no way to accomplish the thing that we desire to accomplish. Unbelief says even if God does something, it will never be enough. That's doubt. That's unbelief. And that's where the enemy wants us to operate. He would like nothing more for us to go through life saying, even if God does move, it'll never be enough. It'll never happen. There's no way. He wants to get us hung up on the how. If God opened the windows of heaven... Could this thing be? If God made windows in the heavens, could it take place? Could it really happen? The king's representative had just heard the promise of God, and yet his response was, how? How could that ever happen? Instead of believing God and trusting God and trusting in the promises of God, all too often we have a tendency to say, Amen, I know, Lord, what your word says, but how? I know that your word declares in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 19, I know your word says, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But how? I know that your word declares in Exodus 15 and 26, I am, not I was, not I will be, but I am the Lord that healeth thee. And we get a bad report from the doctor and look at heaven and go, how? We forfeit our right to the promise by being hung up on the how. Isaiah 54, 17 declares, No weapon that is formed against us will be able to prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up in judgment to condemn us, we will condemn them. The Bible said this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me. Amen. When the enemy comes in like a flood, instead of getting hung up on the how, look to God and trust his word. Amen. God declares that he will make a way where there seems to be no way. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 15 and 16. This is what the scripture says. God says, I am the Lord. I am the Holy One. I am the creator of Israel. I am your king. 
Thus saith the Lord, I will make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. He said, I will make a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. Instead of us saying, but how God latch on to the promise and believe God at his word. Amen. How, 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 how. Sometimes we sound like that broken record. How, 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 how. Have you ever just prayed about something and you got it prayed through into your spirit and it got down in your soul and you went, I don't know how, but I believe God. I believe God. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when, but I believe God. Years ago, uh, I've told this testimony before, but years ago, I called into the ministry. God was sending us here and there and opening doors on the evangelistic field. I was driving a 1978 Ford Fairmont. It was a banana yellow. Yellow is not my color. But I had some revivals lined up. I was supposed to be going from here to Dallas, Oregon. And then from Dallas, Oregon to Red Bluff, California, into Redding and in that area, preaching revivals. I left Emmett, Idaho, and by the time that I got to Dallas, Oregon, it's about 430-something miles, by the time that I got to Dallas, Oregon, I had went through seven quarts of oil. Now, if you're not a mechanic, that's not a good sign. Even if you are a mechanic, you know that's not a good thing. So I got to Dallas, Oregon, and there was a gentleman there in the church, and he was a mechanic. He said, don't worry about it, son. I'll take a look at it. I said, thank you, Jesus. He came back the next night, and he said, well, I have taken a look at it, and here's my diagnosis. You need to just pray God will drive a new one right under that. (laughs) I'm like, that is not the answer that I was looking for. And so I didn't know what to do. I had revivals scheduled in Northern California. I didn't know if the thing would make it or not. And uh, so I went to prayer. I was, I was staying with my aunt and my uncle. They had a two-bedroom or a two-story house. I was in the upper room, had it all to myself. And I was praying. And one day, about three days after this gentleman had told me this, I had prayed and prayed and prayed and fasted and prayed and one, one day, I'm there in that little bedroom, and all of a sudden, I had this vision, and someone was handing me the keys to a beautiful, brand-new Caprice Classic. It was beautiful, metal flake blue, had a beautiful vinyl top. I mean, it was gorgeous, and they were handing me the keys. And it, it got so into my spirit that I went that day. I left, the up, I, went, I left that upper room up there. I went and got in that banana yellow Ford Fairmont, and I drove down to the Chevy car lot. I pulled onto the car lot, and I sat down in a Caprice Classic. And I mean, this thing was loaded, and, I, and this is what I said. I said, I'm sorry, God. I don't see any way that this could happen. How, 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 how? And the Lord spoke to me the minute the words came out of my mouth. I said, I don't see, there's no way. God spoke to me and he said, is anything too hard for the Lord? And I started crying. And about that time, the salesman walked up. He said, sir, is everything okay? And I said, yes, everything is wonderful. God is going to give me a brand new car. And I'm sure this guy was thinking, well, he ain't giving you this one, so get out of the car, Bubba. (laughs) How many of you ever got a new car and when you got on the road, you just, I mean, you just noticed everybody on the road was driving one just like yours? That ever happened to you? I got in my banana yellow Ford Fairmont and I headed down the road to California. I bought a case of motor oil 
And I just kept dumping. I mean, I gave new meeting to fill it up with gas and, and put a little oil in it. I, I mean, fill it up with oil and give me a little gas. But I, I mean, every car on the freeway down I-5 was a Caprice Classic. I'm driving down the road. One goes by on the other side. I pulled into, Re I pulled into uh, Roseburg at the Denny's to have a cup of coffee. There were five of them sitting in the parking lot. It was like I was driving one. I mean, it was like I was driving one. I had no idea how God was going to do it, but it got in my spirit. And everywhere that I went, I got on down to Red Blood. My brother lived down there, and he said, you need a new car. I said, I know, and God's going to give me one. He said, well, why don't we just change the wiper blade? <laughs> just in case. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Well, let me just tell you a long story short. 21 days from the time that I saw it in the upper room, I drove it off of the lot at Roundtree Chevrolet in Boise, and it was mine. I said, there is nothing that God cannot do if we will simply get past the how and not get hung up on the how. Let me just share with you this morning that there is nothing impossible with God and nothing too hard for the Lord. When God gets ready to move, amen, God has the ability to move time, space, and everything else in order to meet your need. Amen. We just need to trust in the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and verse 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Isaiah 26 and 4 says, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Hmm. Psalms 5 and 11. But let all of those who put their trust in the Lord rejoice and let them ever shout for joy. Amen. Psalms 34 and 8. The psalmist said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. When I drove that brand new 1990 Caprice class, a class, it was blue with a vinyl top. It was exactly what God showed me. When I drove it off of the car lot, I took it to the DMV office. I said, I want personalized license plates. What do you want it to say? I want it to say Blessed. I am blessed. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Hallelujah. I still got that plate. I tell people I don't have a lock on the blessing. I just got the plate. <laughs> we can all be blessed. Can you say amen? But we just simply need to hang on to his word. Hang on to his word. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it and shall he not make it good? Hath he spoken it and shall he not do it? Mm. I came to tell you, if you'll hang on to God, he'll do it. Mm. Even if he has to move a mountain, come hell or high water, God is able Amen. Just hold on to his word. Some folks are expecting God to show up with lights flashing, sirens blaring, kicking down the front door and hollering or thundering. Help has arrived. It don't happen that way. It don't happen that way. It happens by trusting in that still, small voice. It happens by walking by faith. 
Amen. I came to tell somebody this morning that it's going to happen if you continue to walk by faith. We may not see the answer. We may not know, amen, when the answer is coming. We may not understand how, and we may not understand when or where. But if we will hold on to the promises of God, God will minister to our need if we are faithful unto him. Faith declares, God is my source and my strong tower. Faith declares God is my provision and my provider. Faith declares that God is my shelter in a time of storm. Even when the storm is raging, faith declares I am safe in the arms of the Lord. Faith declares that God the Almighty is the shade upon my right hand. He will not fail me and he will not forsake me. He is my salvation and my light, my defender and my protector, my anchor and my rock. He is my all in all. Paul said to Timothy, I know in whom I have believed. It's one thing to know about him, but it's another thing to know him. I came to tell you this morning, when you know him, you can put your confidence in him. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. God said, fear not for I am with thee. Be not dismayed for I am thy God. I will strengthen you. Yea, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Isaiah 41, 13, for I, the Lord thy God, will uphold thee with my right hand, saying unto you, fear not, I will help you. Isaiah 43, beginning with verse number one, this is what the scripture says, but now says the Lord, I created thee, he that formed thee, I am he that formed thee, I have redeemed thee, and I have called you by my name and you are mine and when you pass through the waters amen I will be with you and through the rivers they shall not overflow you amen and when you walk through the fire thou shalt not be burnt amen neither shall a flame kindle upon you because I am the Lord thy God I am the Holy One of Israel and thou art mine says the Lord Lord. Amen, amen. We just need to get past the how and trust in the Lord. How did the story turn out? How did the story turn out? Well, it turned out exactly the way God said that it was going to turn out. We just simply need to trust in him. And he will anchor our faith and cause us to see the end of our desire. Instead of going to God and telling God, I need you to fix this, and then trying to tell God how to fix it. <laughs> Hello? We just need to leave it into the hands of the Lord and let him fix it. So how did the story turn out? Paul Harvey would say, and now for the rest of the story. So you'll find it in 2 Kings chapter 3, or chapter 7, verse 3. The Bible said that Elisha prophesied tomorrow about this time. Meanwhile, on the outside of the city, sitting at the city gate, there are four leprous men, and they are dying. Their flesh is being eaten away from their bones. Verse 3 says, The four leprous men at the gate said to one another, Why sit we here till we die? Here was their conclusion. If we go into the city, we're going to die of starvation. 
If we sit here at the gate, we're eventually going to die. If we go to the Syrian camp, they may kill us and we'll die. Let's don't just sit here. Let's go do something. We're going to die either way. We might as well go see what the Syrian army, maybe they will save us alive. So the Bible says that at twilight, they rose up and they went toward the camp of the Syrians. And now get this. I'm fixing to share with you the how, how God was going to do it. Here comes four beleaguered, weak, dying, leprous men into the camp of the Syrians. And God used those men to send the sound of an army coming into the camp of the Syrians. And the Syrians got so afraid that they dropped everything. They left their tent, their food, their money, everything, and fled. And they are running from a noise in the dark. They are running from four leprous men who don't know what to expect when they get there. Now here is this army that has besieged this city. And these four leprous men walk into the into this Syrian camp and there ain't nobody there. Because God Verse 6, the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians, and they are coming after us. And there was nothing there except four lepers. How many of you ever got scared or frightened of something in the dark? Hello? Well, when I was putting together my notes, I happened to remember when I was a little boy, about five or six years old, I was just old enough to be afraid of the dark and just old enough that I didn't want anybody to know about it. And I stayed a week at my grandma and grandpa's house. And my grandma and grandpa's restroom was down the hall, past the kitchen, around the corner, down another hall, and finally into the back restroom. And in the daytime, that wasn't a big deal. But at night, when everybody turned out all the lights in the house and they were all sitting in the living room watching television, that was the longest walk down the hall, around the corner and down another hall. I mean, when I, when I was five or six years old, I felt like I was walking into the abyss. And the further down the hall I got, the darker it got and the more noises that I heard. And I didn't know what they were. House creaking and popping. I'd, I'd head down the hallway and go past the kitchen. I didn't want to look in there because it was dark in there. And I'd go down the hall and make that left and go down that other hall. And I would head for the light switch. Boom. Light, come on, I'm safe. I made it. Do my business and wash my hands and... I'd flip off that light in the toilet, still filling up with water and making all kinds of, you know, sounds. And I'm like, oh. I'd flip off that light and I'd run down the hall. And I'd turn the corner and run down the hall, right up until the point where I almost got into the living room and I'd start walking like I was no problem. Well, the truth of the matter was, it was spooky. 
Here are grown men. They are soldiers in the army of the Syrian army. And God scared them with some noise in the dark. And four lepers walk in and they go into the tent and they find an abundance of food and they find jewels and riches and money and horses and all kinds of supplies and they got it and they took it and buried some of it and said, man, this, we're going to hang on to this. They went into another tent and found the same thing. Until finally they had had their fill and they looked at one another and said, we not, we're not doing very well here. We better go back and tell everybody else in the city about what we have found. They go back to the city gate, tell them the good news. The Syrians have all fled. King said, I wonder if that could really be true. They sent out a scouting party and found out that it was really true. Here's the end of the story. They brought all of the spoil of the Syrian army into the city of Samaria. And the very next day, that flour and that barley that the prophet spoke about sold in the gate of the city for such a reduced price. And the famine was over. But the officer on whose hand the king leaned. The officer that had got hung up at the howl. The Bible said that he was put in charge of dispersing all of the food. And when the crowd began to make their way to the gate of the city for the food, he got trampled. Must have been a stampede. He got trampled and he died. He never did taste any of that. What I'm saying this morning is that instead of us getting hung up on the how and never experiencing God's promise, let's put our trust in the Lord and believe in the Lord and believe that God can and that God will and leave the how up to Him I remember years ago, my wife and I were going to a prayer meeting one midweek. I was, I'd been working out in the yard, working out on the house. And I told her, I said, you drive. We got in the car and we're headed down to the church. And the whole way I was telling her how to drive. And finally she looked at me and said, do you want to do this or you want me to? That's sometimes the way I think God feels about us. Lord, we want, this is how we want you to do it. This is what you could do. This is, this is an answer to that, Lord. God says, why don't you just hold on. Let me do it the way I want to do it. And when I do it, it'll be done right. Don't get hung up on the how. Just put your trust in the Lord. And allow God to accomplish his promises in our lives. Bow your heads, if you will, please. Bow your heads, if you will, please. Heavenly Father, this morning, I am grateful for your word. I'm grateful for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that I sensed in preaching the word. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit to bring it into our hearts. Cause us to recognize that you are a God that is more than able. And instead of us getting hung up on the how, let us have a childlike faith that says, I don't know how, but I believe. I may not know the answer, but I trust you, Lord. I believe. I pray this morning, Heavenly Father, that if we are here in this place and we have been forfeiting the promise because 
we have been hung up on the how. Help us to put our trust in you today and receive the promise of the Lord in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Are you here this morning? And you would be willing to just slip up your hand and say, Pastor Gary, I have been getting hung up on the how. Yeah. God sees your hands and yours. I've, I've been getting hung up on the how. Are you here this morning and you would just be willing to say, I needed to hear this word from the Lord. Hands have been lifted all over the building for both statements. Stand to your feet. Let me pray with you and have Hoss come and sing. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, the enemy would like nothing more than to divert us with distractions and questions about how and when and where and how can it work out? And Lord, you know the thing that's on our heart today. And right now, we're not going to worry about how. We're just going to thank you that you are a God that is mindful of our needs and that you are working on our behalf right now. The answer is on the way. In Jesus' name, we hold fast to the promise of your word. Your word said that we can hold fast, for you are faithful who promised. You said that we could cast every care upon you because you care for us. Right now, every care that we carry, every burden that we bear, we lay it at your feet right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. And we trust in your promise. It's up to you, Lord, how to work it out, when to work it out. We just are going to believe you for the answer and just praise you for the answer. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.